everybody, welcome to Stock Bites for Tuesday, October 13th. It's a beautiful day here in Houston. I'm going to talk today about spinoffs and specifically how this, what this means for big tech. You know, the fangs are, have come under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, the House Judiciary Committee, I believe it is, just released the culmination of a 16-month investigation into uh, Facebook, Apple, Google and um, Facebook, Apple, Google, and Amazon, and found that all four of those companies employ uh, monopolistic characteristics, and they had some recommendations in there. And I'd like to dive into what spinoffs are and kind of how that, um, how this report can really unlock value for shareholders in these companies. I'm also going to give a, a beastly update. Again, we are uh, continuing to crush it. I'll I'll dive more into that. Uh, I was just actually reading before I came on a, a, a article on Zero Hedge by Tyler Durden about bank uh, bank reserves are at the highest they've ever been in comparison to loans. So these large commercial banks have they have so much cash on the balance sheet and they're not they're not uh, lending it out to people. And eventually, as the Fed stops digitally creating money and, and just forcing reserves down these, you know, the JP Morgans of the world's throats, eventually they're going to have to start lending some of that money out. So personally, I think that's a, a real positive sign for the economy. Um, you know, eventually this money is going to have to come out into the economy in the form of loans and that'll stimulate economic output. I have put a feeler out to a couple of different, very smart people who I've asked to come on and discuss that. So I hope to have a second podcast for you this week, as well as next week. We should be doing two. Uh, we have actually have another economist coming on this Thursday to talk about state capitalism in uh, the Far East, uh, particularly China, what the Belt and Road Initiative means, what state capitalism means for U.S. consumers. I think that'll be a very high-level um, smart conversation. I'm really liking the direction that the podcast is is moving here. So as always, you can reach me. Uh, and damn, did I say welcome to Stock Bites at the beginning of this? I'm still getting used to the rebrand here. This is the Rich by 36 podcast now. You can reach me at george at richby36.com. Check out some of the stuff that we offer at richby36.com. The Beastly Newsletter, 30 bucks a month. You get your first two weeks for free. You get three stock trades in your inbox every uh, every Monday morning, we use fundamental analysis to tell you what to buy and why you should buy it. And then we lay a technical screen over it to show you exactly when to sell. If that's too steep or you just want to give us a shot before uh, committing to the full three trades, we do have a, a new product called the Weekly, which gives you our top trade idea of the week. And that's 10 bucks a month. And the same, same deal, you get your first two weeks free on that as well. We also have a, a blog where we're discussing... You know, higher level macro trends. I've posted some information about spinoffs and fiscal multipliers. And, you know, to, to understand demand, you have to, I don't know if I talked about this at all, but I read this great quote by Napoleon that said, if, to understand demand, you have to know what was happening in the world when he was 20. And I wrote, you know, I went and looked at some of the headlines uh, from 2010 when I was 22. And it just really was eye opening to me about how much the the type of uh, adult world I open my eyes in 
how much that's shaped me in, in my relationship with some of these large institutions. So uh, there's a bunch of great reads on there. All right, enough prognosticating. Let's get to the show. Let's talk about spinoffs. A spinoff is when a company takes a portion of its operations and breaks it off into a separate entity. Shares of the new company are distributed tax-free to shareholders of the parent company. And there are several reasons that companies can spin off portions of their operations, including, um, you know, if they're a conglomerate, for example, and they're, you know, they don't think that this portion of their business really fits into their future plan, they'll, they'll spin it off and, and unlock value that way. The focus of this podcast is going to be about legislative risk, and there'll be more on that to come. But uh, there, there's typically a few things that happen to stock prices after a spinoff. It's common for the stock price of the parent to immediately dip. Assets that now belong to the subsidiary were removed from the parent company's books, which lowers their book value. However, the value of the subsidiary shares tend to make up the difference with the sum of the two stock prices approximating the parent company's pre-stock, uh, pre-spinoff stock price. Historically, spinoffs have been good for investors. On average, both the parent company and the subsidiary outperform the markets over the next couple of years. A J.P. Morgan study uh, found of 231 spinoffs between 1985 and 1988 found that during the first 18 months of trading, spinoffs outperformed the S&P by 11.3%. Deloitte analyzed spinoffs that occurred between 2000 and 2014, and they found that spinoffs generated a 22% return during the first 12 months of trading, outperforming the MSCI World Index by 21%. And most recently, in May of 2018, StockSpinoffInvesting.com compared the returns of the Bloomberg U.S. Spinoff Index versus the S&P 500 and found that the Spinoff Index gender, uh, generated a 511% total return from December 2015 to May of 2018, outpacing the S&P 500 by 314%. So here's why I'm telling you all this. It seems like the fire around big tech's dominance is growing. The House Judiciary Committee just released a report stating that Facebook, Amazon, Alphabet, and Apple are monopolies and suggested to Congress that they take up changes of antitrust law that could result in parts of these companies being spun off. This was a 16-month investigation into competitive practices at these firms. And it should be noted that the House Judiciary Committee, uh, Committee is a majority Democratic committee, and Republicans are already voicing objections to some of the proposals in the report. However, according to the report, Facebook wields monopoly power in online advertising and social networks and has maintained its position by acquiring, copying, copying or killing its competitors. And I don't think I needed a 16-month report to, to tell me that, to know that was true. But just look at what, you know, Instagram's getting big with younger people. Let's go buy them. Uh, Snapchat's got a cool feature. Uh, let's just copy that. Uh, TikTok's doing well. We're going to, you know, introduce Instagram reels. Anyway, the, the committee recommended that, uh, recommended the elimination of killer acquisitions 
uh, of competitors by shifting the burden onto large companies to prove that their deals, that their acquisitions don't harm competition. The report also alleges that Amazon has monopoly power over most of its third-party sellers and many of its suppliers. Lawmakers estimate Amazon controls more than 50% of the U.S. online retail market and that Amazon's dominance in cloud computing creates a conflict of interest where customers may be forced to to work with Amazon as opposed to a competitor. The report suggested Amazon be required to split apart its core e-commerce site from the third-party marketplace where independent vendors sell their products and from Amazon Web Services cloud computing service. That would be extraordinarily interesting, just as a side note. If If Amazon got ahead of this and spun off AWS, the dominant cloud computing uh, server company out there, it would be, um, it would unlock extraordinary value. And anyway, that's besides the point here. Uh, Apple, their monopoly power exists in software distribution on iOS devices, specifically the App Store. The report was less harsh on Apple than the other companies, noting that Apple's mobile ecosystem has produced significant benefits to consumers and app developers. However, the report did recommend that the dominant uh, tech platforms, including Apple, be barred from entering adjacent lines of business and should not be allowed to give preference to their own services or products. And finally, Google. Google has a monopoly of the entire online general search and search advertising markets. The report described Google's dominance as operating, uh, quote, as an ecosystem of interlocking monopolies, end quote by linking together various services with extensive user data. The Department of Justice and state regulators apparently are on the verge of pursuing a legal case to force Alphabet to unload their dominant Chrome browser that's used to funnel traffic to the Google search engine, which has a 90% market share of all U.S. search engine traffic. And since it looks like Alphabet is going to be made example of, the question becomes, you know, should you as a shareholder or a potential shareholder, should you invest in Alphabet with these legal issues swirling? And I think that the answer is unapologetically yes. Alphabet's become an incredibly diverse business, generating revenue from Google Search, YouTube, Google Cloud, Android, App Store, Google Play, Gmail, Maps, Waymo, Waymo and more. Uh, And if you look at their reported revenue for the six-month period ending June 30th, 2020, they clocked almost $80 billion in revenue in the first six months of this year. They're projected to earn over $173 billion in revenue this year. Their second quarter earnings per share was $10.13. That's more than most companies earn in a year. Uh, the stock closed Monday at $1,564 per share, and it actually has a relatively attractive trailing 12-month P.E. ratio of 33.2, uh, with a market cap of $1.3 trillion. Uh, Look, as the company stands today, it's a cash flow machine, dominant market position. It's actually attractively valued. It's cheaper than Amazon. It's cheaper than Apple in terms of P.E. multiples. But if Alphabet was forced to to spin off chunks of its business, it could unlock huge potential for its shareholders. According to Barron's, Alphabet's sum of the parts valuation is more than $2,000 per share. That's about 30% above the current share price. 
Their analysts valued the search, bin, uh, search business at $743 billion, YouTube at $237 billion, and the Google Cloud at $169 billion. Those three chunks alone provide a market cap of $1.15 billion. That's only $150 million away from their current market cap. And that doesn't include Waymo, which people are estimating is valued at over $100 billion. Waymo actually announced yesterday that they've just released self-driving taxis into the market in Phoenix. They're live and operational. They're, they're these <laughs> Chrysler soccer mom vans. They don't look particularly attractive, but they are the first uh, autonomous vehicle in use in the country as a taxi. And guess, guess who owns that? That's Google. And just for some context, at $237 billion, YouTube's standalone valuation is worth more than Disney and Netflix. So the, the key investor takeaway is that this antitrust case against Alphabet and sequentially the other fangs, first of all, it'll take years to occur if it does. However, if one of these tech giants either takes the initiative and spins off certain divisions or if the court requires them to, it could unlock significant potential shareholder value. Remember, as a shareholder uh, of, Af- of Google, of Alphabet, you receive shares in whatever entity Alphabet spins off. And historically, spinoffs outperform over the next couple of years. So anyway, uh, long live the fangs. All right, let's get to a quick update on the Beastly. Uh, some, just some housekeeping notes here. Zillow hit our first price target of $108 per share last week. And if you remember, we recommended selling a portion of your position to realize some of the gains once the real estate company hit that target, $108 per share. Since then, Zillow's dropped a couple of dollars. Uh, if you missed that target sales price or if you didn't have your limit order already in place, you know, we, remember, we, you can, first of all, take some profit today. We recommended the stock at $85.40 per share so you st- on September 13th. So you still have some profit baked in. However, we do have another upside target uh, on the company of $138 per share. So if you missed the 108 level, don't panic. There's still room to run. AMD, which we recommended two weeks ago, is already halfway to our $95 price target. Make sure you get your limit orders in now. Uh, Chipotle, which we recommended last week, is also halfway to our price target of $1,383. And finally, Visa keeps inching closer to our $213.97 price target. So keep an eye out there as well. Anyway, guys, that'll do it for this week's show. I hope to be back with you later this week. Again, we are going to be touching on uh, some really advanced stuff that I'm excited to learn about. I've you know, state capitalism and uh, the differences between Chinese uh, Chinese capitalism, for, for lack of, you know, the, the, the China model and, and the U.S. model. And China has been the fastest growing economy in the world for decades. And in large part, that's because they live in an authoritarian society that in their government directs business. They've had, you know, in the 1980s, from what I understand, there was uh, sort of an entrepreneurial, rural entrepreneurial that's a tough phrase to say, boom. And then in the 90s, their government came in and basically started siphoning money out of rural areas and putting it into big city centers. 
places like Shanghai. They wanted foreign direct investment. And so when GM or Volkswagen comes into China, they want to see that, you know, a big city with skyscrapers and think that they could stay here for a couple of weeks or a couple of years, whatever the case may be. So in the 90s, China actually started denying loans to rural areas, increasing tax on farmers and peasants and siphoning money into the cities. Uh, so that was the the second of four kind of booms for their economy. In, in the 2000s, you have a real, a real estate boom. And then in 2010, you have a tech boom. And it is fascinating to me. It's extraordinarily complicated. Um, you know, how their, how their government works. You know, a lot of their growth has been financed with debt. You know, what does that mean? And I do hope to have a, a very special guest coming up on Thursday to discuss all of those topics. So that'll do it for this week. Uh, again, George at richby36.com.